Hey, good morning. Welcome to the story. If we haven't met yet, or hey, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Uh, my name's Kale. I'm the Timbergrove Campus Pastor out at our location, out at 8200 Washington Avenue. And I always love being here with you guys online and also those of you that are at our River Oaks campus as well. It's still surreal to me that every single Sunday that we are one church and we're worshiping in three different locations at, at our River Oaks campus, at our, at our Timber Grove campus, and, and online. And, and now that always wasn't the case for the story, obviously. And, and that definitely wasn't the case my very first Sunday at the story. So I remember my, my first Sunday at the story, it was almost six years ago now. And, and I stepped into the story, I stepped into this, this old gym, it was, it was only one service, it was only one location. And, and I stepped in not as a ready-made pastor, but I stepped in on a date with a girl. And so we, we were doing what, what any good boyfriend and girlfriend would do in that situation. And, and so I was gonna go to her church first, it's gonna to go to her church on Sunday. And then the next Sunday, we were gonna to go to my church. So I was, I was a part of a, an, another church. And so we were gonna do this home and home. So obviously being the gentleman that I am, I was gonna to go to her church first. And it was this brand new church that she loved, that she, that she called home and uh, she was committed to. So I remember the very first time, the very first Sunday I stepped into the story, I, I was immediately drawn in. And I remember after the service, we, we went to lunch and, and I told Kim, who's, who's now my wife, and I told her, you know, we can, we can go back to the story next Sunday. And, and then we'll just go to my church the following Sunday. And, and guess what? We went the following Sunday and we've been, we've been coming ever since. We, we never made it back to my church. And so... So I think the initial thing that, that really drew me into the story and, and the initial thing that I, I hear from, from a lot of people and saying why they come back to the story, it's, it's this culture of, of authenticity. And that's the thing that, that really drew me in. It's this culture of, of genuinely seeking and pursuing God together. Christians and, and skeptics alike, no matter where you're at on the religious spectrum, we, we can genuinely seek and pursue God together. And I cherish that. And that was a culture that was initiated from the very beginning and we still fight for that culture. We're still intentional about that culture. And, and I think it resonates with me so much is because I've always wanted that type of culture with a church and with a community. And really deep down, I, I've always wanted that for myself. I've, I've always desired my entire life to, to be authentic. That's what I wanted to be. If I was gonna be anything, I wanted to be authentic. And, and, and I've also struggled with how to live that out. I've struggled with how to live out being authentic. And, and here's an example. So when someone asks me where I'm from, someone asked me the simple question, hey, Kale, where are you from? It's a simple question. It should be a simple answer, but, but I have a pretty dynamic answer. I'm, I was originally, I was, I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was born to a pretty big, a pretty crazy Cajun family. And so, so it's in my blood. I'm a Louisianian in my blood. It's in my blood to love LSU. It's in my blood to love the Saints. It's in my blood to love Mardi Gras and crawfish boils. It is in my blood to love a to-go daiquiri. It is in my blood. 
I'm a Cajun through and through. You, my last name, it's, it's Kinchin. My, my grandmother on my mom's side, her maiden name was Sifrio. My grandmother on my dad's side, her maiden name is Boudreaux. My middle name is my, my mom's maiden name. My middle name is Ghidros. I am a Cajun. It's in my, it's in my blood. All my extended family, they, they live in Baton Rouge. They live in the surrounding areas of Baton Rouge as well. I even have some extended family that lives out in the, in the deep south Louisiana, kind of out in the, in the sticks. And to give you a, a better understanding of, of the sticks, of kind of the, the deep south Louisiana, there was, there was this show on about a, about a decade ago. And it was a show that portrayed this, these south Louisiana folks, and they were alligator hunters. And that show, I don't know if you remember it, it's called Swamp People. And, and the show, it was about this, these alligator hunters and it was about these, what they would call swamp people. And they were in deep South Louisiana. And the main character of that show, his name was, was Troy Landry. And Troy Landry, his, his thing, his, his slogan, thing that everyone would repeat on the internet, it was uh, this thing that he would say. He'd say, hey, shoot the gators. Shoot them. Shoot the gators. Shoot them. Shoot them. And so Troy, he'd, he'd say this. And, and I, I kind of loved this show. And I remember one, one day I was, I was talking to my dad on the phone and I said, hey, have you, have you seen this show? It's this guy, Troy, he's like a caricature of, of South Louisiana folks. And I thought it was really funny. And my dad paused and he said, you know who Troy Landry is, right? I said, I, I'm the guy on, on Swamp People. He said, you know, Troy's your second cousin, right? And I, and I thought about it and I said, does that make us swamp people? Like, like am, am, I a, am I a swamp person? And I, I didn't know whether to be excited, whether to be nervous. And so when, when someone would, would ask me where, I, where I'm from, especially if they're from Louisiana, I'd get a little Cajun accent. I'd say, well, I'm, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was, I was born into a family of alligator hunters. And I'm a swamp person. <laughs> and that's, that's the, the truth. I, am, I was born in, in Baton Rouge, but it's, it's not really the truth. The, the reality is, is that I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but, but we moved to Texas when I was two years old. I have, I have no recollection of living in Louisiana. And so, so we moved to Texas and, and we moved to a, a suburb right outside of Houston and it was Kingwood, Texas. And you can't get more rural than swamp people. You can't get more rural than, than deep South Louisiana and you can't get more suburban than Kingwood, Texas. That's where, that's where my childhood was. That's where my, my formative years were. And I was, a, I was a suburban kid. That's how I grew up. And, and then in high school, my family, we, we moved to Tomball, Texas. And Tomball, it's, it's another suburb outside of Houston. And it's still suburbia, but it's a, it's a little more spacious. It's a little more country. It's got a little smaller town feel to it. So, so you can see when someone asked me where I'm from, I'm, I was born in Baton Rouge. I was... I was raised in, in Kingwood, Texas, and I went, I went to high school in Tomball. And, and really, there's, there's bits of truth in all of those. But, but the way that I would, I would frame it, the way that I would frame where I'm from, it, it depended on, on who asked the question. And so I, I'd frame it in a way that, that wasn't necessarily true. And in my pursuit of authenticity, I didn't necessarily just want to be authentic. I wanted people to think that I was authentic. 
And that, that's just surface level stuff. This also, it, it bled into my faith as well. This, this way of thinking, it, it seeped into my faith. And, and during that period of my life, I was, I was so burnt out with the church. I was so worn out with Christianity. I was tired of, of everyone telling me everything that I couldn't do. I was worn out with, with treating Christianity like, like it was some sort of rule book that I just had to follow the rules. I was worn out, so I just ran the opposite way. And I went all in on the mantra, be true to yourself. Hey, be true to yourself. Do what makes you happy. You do you. And as long as you do that, then you're good to go. So I thought that, hey, if I did whatever makes me happy, then not only would I be happy, but God, he'd be happy with me. And and that's what I thought. That's that's what I believed. I thought that, that God would be happy with me if I pursued happiness for myself in that moment. And that, the way I went about that, it wasn't true. It was a, it was a lie, but it had just enough truth to be destructive. It had just enough truth to be deceptive. And that's what, that's what we're talking about today. And, and, and we're opening up this, this brand new series and so for, for every Sunday in October, we're gonna be, we're gonna be in this new series and it's called True Lies. We're, we're calling it these, these modern day mantras and how they compare to the timeless truth of God. And for the five, next five weeks, so for every Sunday in October, we're gonna be going through these different social media mantras. We're gonna be, we're gonna be getting into these, these Instagram theologies that form and that shape us. And we're gonna see that they have just enough truth There's just enough partial truth that makes them seductive. That that they're seductive. And and the mantra that we're gonna be talking about today, it's it's a popular phrase and and you've definitely heard it before and you might've said it before. And it's the phrase, be true to yourself. Be be true to yourself. Now, now the reality is, is that my generation and and the people that that are younger than me as well, the reality is the majority of us, we, we think this is true. There was a, a Barna research study that said that 74% of American millennials, they believe this statement to be true. They believe that being true to yourself is the truth. And, and honestly, I, I get it. I get it. That's, that's the way that I, I used to live my life. It's the way that, that I thought. But, but the thing is, is that when people generally say this, I think when we, when we genuinely say, be true to yourself, I think it can mean some, some pretty positive things. I do, I, I think we can, we can say be true to yourself and it can mean some positive things. I think that it can mean on the surface and even originally, I think it can mean to, to stick with your principles and act with integrity. I think we can all agree that sticking to your principles and acting with integrity, that's a good thing. So it's what I'm teaching my kids, to stick to their principles, to act with integrity. That, that was, I think, what this phrase originally meant. And this phrase, it's not a new phrase. This phrase is at least 450 years old. And 450 years ago, we see this phrase in a play called Hamlet. And we see a character in Hamlet say this, that this above all, to thine own self be true, 
and it must follow as the night, the day. Thou canst not be false to any man. I think we can all agree that being true to yourself, it, it can be a noble and it can be a good idea. And, and another way that, that I think something positive can come from, from being true to yourself is that we can, it's about finding and expressing the thing that's most valuable to us. It's, it's finding these core values for ourselves and then cherishing that and then clinging to that. And, and no matter what, no matter what the haters say, no matter what your parents say, no matter what your friends say, that no matter what, we should stick to these values. We should be true to your values. Don't be molded by what other people say. Don't live for the approval of others, but be true to your values. I think that's, I think that's a good idea in theory. I do. But then this, this mantra, it, it really took on a life of its own. And, and this modern culture, it really took on a life of its own, just pretty much the way every other mantra takes on a life of its own. And, and that's when Oprah gets involved. And, uh, and so Oprah Winfrey, she made this, this comment, this statement um, years ago. And this is what the, uh, the great theologian Oprah Winfrey, this is what she said. She said that the fullness of our humanity can be expressed only when we are true to ourselves. Anything else is a faked life. To be authentic is the highest form of praise. You're fulfilling your mission and purpose on earth when you honor the real you. And, and this sounds good on the surface, but, but the problem with the statement is that, that it's a lie. And it's, and it's deceptive enough. It's got just enough partial truth to lead you down a path of self-destruction because this suggests that truth changes. It suggests that not only does truth change, but it changes with you and your feelings. That, that the you that you're true to today can be different than the you that you're true to tomorrow. And, and how can we be true to ourselves when we are constantly changing? How, how can we be true to ourselves when, when we have no idea who we are? Look, I had no idea who I was in Kingwood. I had no idea who I was in, in Tomball or in college. I didn't know who I was. How, how could I be true to that? How could I be true to that person? And when we're saying, be true to yourself, when, when we follow that way of thinking, did, did you hear what, what the statement said? It's that being true to yourself, it's the highest form of praise. It's almost like, you're worshiping yourself. It's almost like that. Now, now you probably wouldn't frame it that way. But when we, when we follow down that path of, of being true to yourself, it's almost like we're becoming our own gods. It's almost like we're becoming our own gods. And, and we do that when we, when we find something in Scripture and it comes against maybe, maybe how we feel or, or it comes against maybe how we, we think we're staying true to ourselves and we choose our feelings and ourselves over scripture. When we do that, we're becoming our own gods. Or, or when, you, when you say that, I know what the Bible says about sex. Look, I, I listened to Pastor Eric's sermon last week. I know what the Bible says, but, but that just doesn't seem right to me. I'm, I'm gonna stay true to myself. I'm gonna stay true to my boyfriend or my girlfriend and, 
And we're going to make sure we're compatible before we get married. When you say that, you're becoming your own God. When you say that, that I need to divorce my wife from my husband because I deserve to be happy, because I need to stay true to myself. When you say that, you're becoming your own God. When you say that, that an unborn child isn't a child unless the mother feels like it's a child, when you say that, you're becoming your own God. Or if, or if you're a Christian, and you put someone else's sexual sins way up on this pedestal and think that's more worthy of judgment than your own greed or your own secret sin. When you're doing that, you're becoming your own God. Or if you're a Christian and in your self-righteousness, you judge a teenage girl who's making the hardest decision of her life and you think that you would know better, you would do better and you condemn her for it, you're becoming your own God. And when we do that, when we follow down that trail, what we're doing is we're making ourselves sovereign. We're making ourselves kings and queens and we're, and we're, putting, we're putting these, we're building these, these little janky thrones. We're building them for our lives. We're building a little kingdom around them, ourselves. We're crowning ourselves and we're constructing everything around ourselves. Everything is centered around ourselves, and that way of thinking is a lie. It's a whisper from the devil. Satan doesn't just want you to, to worship him. He's very content with you worshiping you. He's very content with that. And, and again, you might not say it like that, but that's what you're doing when you follow this way of life. It's you're becoming your own God and that is not the way of Jesus. It's not how Jesus tells us to live. And, and here's, here's what Jesus says about being true to yourself. This is Luke chapter nine. This is Jesus speaking. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. You may, have, you may have heard this passage before, but I want you to listen to what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying that, that before you deny yourself, saying that before you take up your cross, saying that before you follow me, he's asking, do you want to? He says, do you want to? He says, whoever wants to me, be my disciple. He's saying, do you want to? You have a choice. The very first question that we have to ask ourselves, if we want to be a disciple of Jesus, the first question, it's do we want to? Because if we don't want to, we're not going to be able to step into what Jesus is inviting us to step into. We're not going to be able to do it. So the question that Jesus is posing to us the question that, that Jesus is, is confronting us with this be true to yourself mantra is he's saying, do you want to be a disciple of Jesus or do you want to be a disciple of yourself? And you can't be both. You can't be both. And you are being discipled by something or by someone. You're being discipled. And in our culture, 
It's teaching us, it's discipling us to be disciples of yourself. We are obsessed with the self. We are enamored with ourselves and we are so obsessed with pursuing our true selves that anything or anyone that comes in the way, it's the enemy. They should move, get out the way and they're the enemy. And I love how this author put it. She said, we aren't challenged to love our neighbors as ourselves or to overcome materialistic urges. Instead, our challenges come in the form of finding rituals that reaffirm our commitment to perfecting ourselves. If our bodies, if they were once temples, now they're miniature gods. That's how you become a disciple of yourself. By, by finding these rituals that reaffirm your commitment to perfecting yourself. You can't follow yourself and follow Jesus. But if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to, Jesus says that if you want to, then, then it's about denying yourself. He says it's about denying that cheap counterfeit version of yourself. And that whenever that, that old self bubbles up, whenever that old sin bubbles up in your life, you can say, that's not who I am anymore. You can say that that's, that's not who I am. I'm not found in that. I'm not, I'm not found in myself. I'm found in Christ. And that, that died with Jesus a long time ago. That I'm found in Christ. And that's such a truer and better way to live. It's such a better way to live. Just, just follow down those two paths. Just, just follow them down. Follow down being a disciple of yourself and, and following and being led by your emotions and your feelings and staying true to yourself. Follow that down. Do you, do you compromise? Does, does the truth change? How, how quickly does, does the foundation from which you stand crumble beneath your feet? How quickly do you realize that you're standing in quicksand? And, and we've seen this in, in Christian circles lately as well. It's a, it's a term called deconstruction. And deconstruction happens when a, when a former pastor or, or a former person of faith, when they, when they turn away from Christianity and they, and they turn to something else. And oftentimes what happens is, is this person, they'll, they'll do an interview or they'll do a podcast and they'll talk about why they, why they turned away from Christianity. And most of the time they talk about how they, they couldn't fake it anymore. They couldn't fake believing what they believe and they, they need to be true to themselves. And so when this really hit, hit home for me, it was about 10 years ago when, when one of my favorite pastors, one of my favorite authors, he came out and he said, I'm not a Christian anymore. And that was 10 years ago and I still follow him on social media. I still follow his writings and, and some of his teachings. And the thing is, is that he's still preaching. He's just, he's just preaching a different message. And the message is about staying, staying true to yourself and it's that everything's good and everything is spiritual and, and everything's fine. But, but you can tell there's, it's just a flimsy foundation from which he's standing on. And he'll even tell you, he'll say in, in, in podcasts that, that he's, he's never been more lonely He's never been more isolated and, 
and he's still trying to, to figure out what he, what he believes and where he stands. And, and you, can't, you can't follow someone else when, when you're following yourself. But, but go down the path of, of following Jesus. Go follow that path. Follow down the path of, of being a true disciple of Jesus. Look, look to see what, what the end of that path looks like. My wife's grandma, her name's Grandma Etta. And Etta was, was 93 years old when she passed away. She passed away about three years ago. And Etta was the most faithful woman maybe that I've ever met. Etta followed Jesus for decades, decades. And that woman had more, more peace and more joy than anyone that I knew. And Edda, I remember she called Kim and I, she called us on a, she called us the week before she passed. And she was talking to Kim on the phone. She said, hey, put Kale on the phone, put Kale on the phone. I didn't know what to say. And I said, hey, Edda, I'm praying for you. I love you. And she said, hey, Kale, did you know I'm going on a trip? I said, Edda, I don't think you're supposed to be going on a trip right now. You're, you're, you're bedridden. I don't, I don't know if the doctor would, would prescribe that. And she said, I'm going on a trip to heaven. She said, I'm going to see Jesus. And Edda, if she was here today, she'd say that, that, that decades of following Jesus, it certainly wasn't easy. The decades of, of pursuing holiness, it certainly wasn't, wasn't easy, but, but it never disappointed. And I haven't been following Jesus for as long as, as Etta, but, but it's never disappointed me either. And if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to, if that answer is a yes, then it'll be a, it'll be a thousand no's to yourself. But that yes, it is so much better than a thousand yeses to yourself. That yes to to the one who's always true, the one who never changes, the one who is faithful no matter what, that yes is so much better because God is such a better God than you are. God's such a better God than I am. That truth, it, it doesn't change. And again, I'm not saying this is easy. It's, it's difficult. And when when I'm going through these difficult seasons in life and, and all my responsibilities are, are trying to juggle them all. And, and when, I'm, when I'm going through that and I try to put myself in the center and I try to do everything myself and I kind of put God on the back burner. Whenever I do that, God always reminds me it's about trust. It's about trust. And, and a little while ago, I was, I was in one of those seasons and I was, I was walking around my neighborhood with my kids. I'm, I'm pushing my, my two-year-old daughter in a stroller and I've got my, my seven-month-old son strapped to my chest in a baby Bjorn. And, and I'm walking around my neighborhood and I'm praying and I'm wrestling with God. And God just says, stop trying to do it yourself. Do you trust me? He's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me enough to deny yourself? Do you trust me enough to to take up your cross? Do you trust me enough 
to follow me. So I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm not asking you to trust the church. I'm not asking you to trust religion. I'm asking you to give God a shot. I'm asking you to to hand yourself over to the care and the grace of God. This is what Ephesians 4 says. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We officially launched the the Timber Grove campus nine months ago today. Nine months ago today, and God has been so faithful through it all. We've seen, we've seen growth. We've launched Bible studies. We've, we've launched small groups. We've, we've seen real life change, but, but my favorite thing that we've seen is we have witnessed people be baptized, publicly profess their commitment to following Jesus. And we as a church, we've, we've come around them and we've confessed to help them be disciples of Jesus. It's been my favorite thing. And four weeks ago, we had our, our last baptism and uh, we witnessed the baptism of my friend, Mike. And Mike and I, we, we admittedly, we have very different backgrounds. We're from very different places and, and we talk about it. Mike and I, we, we meet with each other almost every week or every other week and and Mike talks about what God's doing in his life. And, and I share what God's doing in my life. And, and we, we have these conversations. And, and Mike might be the hardest guy that I know. But every time that Mike talks about the grace of God, he breaks down. He breaks down and, you know, I'm a crier too. So, so we're both breaking down at seven in the morning. And, and I'll never forget one thing that he said. And it was four weeks ago, it was at his baptism. I remember he leaned over to me. He had tears in his eyes. He said, you know, Kale, I've never felt more like myself than I do right now. He said, I've never felt more like myself. And that stuck with me. It stuck with me. And, and I got to talk to Mike this week. And, and I asked him what he meant when he said that. And and this is what he said. And how did you go from what you were to over here? That's where God comes in. And that's the thing. I'm not where I need to be, but I'm getting there. And the more and more I truly let go and surrender to God, I finally accept it's not me no more. It's God in me coming out. So really, I'm just being more like him. Really, I'm just being more like him. Mike makes me want to follow Jesus. The Jesus that saved him and the, and the Jesus that saved me. And I can see that Jesus in him. I can see that it's, it's no longer Mike, but it's Christ working in and through him. And maybe, 
Maybe you've, you've been true to yourself and, and it's proven to be counterfeit. Maybe you've seen past the, the surface level of being true to yourself and maybe you've seen that it leads to, to destruction and to deception and to isolation. Maybe you've, maybe you've seen that. But if you want to, if you want to, Jesus will show you who you really are. He'll show you that it's no longer you, but it's Christ in you. Being true to yourself, it's a, it's a good idea on the surface. But it, but it completely falls apart the, the longer that you go down that road. Being true to yourself falls apart, but, but when you're true to the one that's faithful and true, when you're, when you're true to the one whose name is faithful and true, you can, you can do just what Mike said. And really, it's, it's not about being about me. It's not about being about you. It's about being more like him. And you can have a peace and a joy that decades along the way, you can say, I'm going on a trip. I'm going on a trip to see Jesus, the one who has stayed true to me, the one who is faithful to me. So Jesus is saying, if you want to, you can step into that. So I pray today that that you can say yes to that. That whether that's your first step, whether that's your millionth step, whether, whether you're stepping back, hope that you can say yes to Jesus, the one who is faithful and true. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful. Jesus, we are thankful that you are faithful and true that we can find true life when we follow you, that it's found in you, not in the ways of ourselves, not in these partial truths, but it's found in you. God, help us, remind us of that this morning, refresh us of that this morning, that we can be found in you, the true and faithful and never changing God. Help us take that step, help us want to, God, increase our desire to do so because you're worth it and you never disappoint. So God, we thank you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.